Hi, this is Becca Martin-Brown, and welcome to another What's Up podcast. I am delighted to get to talk today to Larry Foley, who is making the rounds of the film festivals with his film Indians, Outlaws, Marshals, and the Hanging Judge. And he gets to take it to the film's home in Fort Smith for the Fort Smith International Film Festival, August 13th and 14th. Hi, Larry. Hey, Becca. How are you? I'm crazy. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. <laughs> so how many times you been to or been in a bunch of film festivals, like 20? How many right. have you gotten to actually go to? Oh, you know, I think I went to the Sunny Side Up Film Festival in um, in Miami, Oklahoma, and, and that's it. There, well, that's not right. I actually just came back from Las Vegas to the World Fest uh, Film Festival and screenwriting competition. So I guess two out of the 20. It, it's been an interesting experience releasing a film during a worldwide pandemic. Uh, most of the festivals went viral. Uh, I, I mean, they didn't go viral. They went virtual. Well, we and, hope they went uh, viral. We hope they went viral. And that, that's been interesting. Uh, that's That's how festivals were able to you know, to get through this. Uh, and, and, you know, typically when I release a film, I'm out screening it everywhere in person, but uh, not possible. But, uh, you know, the, the piece has, has, has gotten picked up and seems to have been uh, pretty popular, especially with, within the uh, uh, Western Wild West documentaries genre. That's sort of its niche. That's so cool. When you do, when it's a virtual film festival, have you been on zoom panels or has it just been sending the baby out on its own <laughs> a little bit of both uh the st louis filmmakers showcase there uh i was part of a um uh, of a master class on historical documentary filmmaking that was lots of fun and uh, there have been a few others where i've done interviews um uh, you know i did a live screening actually this wasn't festival but it did a, a um a live screening at the University of the Ozarks. And so I came on and talked about the film and then they watched the film on site and I watched it here at my house. And then we talked about it afterwards. So that was a little bit of a unique experience. You know, all these festivals have had to figure out how to get through this odd uh, time mm -hmm. and, uh, and releasing them virtually is, is how they've done it. Now I will tell you this, I don't usually pay a lot of attention to film festivals. I've never really done much of it, but it just made some sense that because I can't get out, uh, this is the way we're going to try it. And, and I've been, you know, extremely pleased with the, with the reception that it's gotten. And when you do the screening at Fort Smith, will you actually get to be there? Oh, absolutely. That's one of the great things. I mean, it's great to have a, an opportunity to present for the home folks. But that screening is going to be Saturday the 14th at Five Star Productions, and there'll be folks there. So I can't wait for that. You know, we did a little uh, sort of soft premiere at the Bakery District in Fort Smith this past September, uh, and, and then we threw that up. And that's another thing that was interesting about, about how we did it. We knew we wanted to have some kind of a soft premiere, and we threw that up on Facebook Live, and uh, we had, you know, like 100 folks present and then i think total because we did it facebook live we had a thousand so that's a pretty big audience for a film screening so we should go back just in case anybody's listening to us who has no idea what we're talking about <laughs> indians outlaws marshals and the hanging judge the story of judge isaac parker 
Yeah, that's that's the story as told by Ada Patterson, a young newspaper reporter from the St. Louis Republic who uh, came down to interview Judge Parker on his deathbed uh, just weeks before he died. And and Parker tells her a, a chilling, colorful tale of his life on the bench in Fort Smith when he became infamous as the hanging judge. And, um, you know, we recreated the interview. Uh, that's kind of the way we set the thing up. And it was just all kinds of fun as a, as a journalist telling a journalistic story, journalistic account. How did you find her account? How did you just stumble onto that? Well, it, it's not, you know, like we dug up a, a, a prehistoric dinosaur uh, <laughs> buried in the sand. It was printed on a piece of paper. It's prehistoric. Yeah, that, that story uh, that story has been known. I mean, it, it was published in September of of uh, 1896, so it's been known. And in fact, if you get on the Fort Smith National Historic Site webpage, uh, you can find it. But you can't find the whole story. It's just an abridged version of it. And um, and I I remember looking at that, and it said something like fifth I N S T, and I thought. Does that mean that, that she did five different stories from Fort Smith? And uh, so I got the um, microfilm from the uh, museum, Missouri Museum of History in St. Louis, which is where the uh, St. Louis Republic archives are housed. And uh, and I got it for two months because I thought, well, maybe she did a series. She didn't do a series. The only thing that I can kind of put together is that in those days, they might have just done five editions of that Sunday newspaper newspapers being a big deal in those days. Right. Uh, but what I did find is that that little story that's on the web is just a snippet of the big story that she did. I mean, she interviews Parker, Mrs. Parker shows up, uh, George Maladin, the hangman shows up, uh, one of the guards shows up, a jailer shows up. And, and uh, so then when I read that, I thought, Man, this is really colorfully written. We, we're just going to have to have her tell the story in her own words. So that's how we did it. And that's not a new idea either, because you mentioned when we talked before that books like True Grit were a first-person narrative. Am I right? Maddie Ross uh, tells that fictional story, that fictional account in first person. That's exactly yeah. right. She's an older woman telling the story when she was a teenage girl. And and that's not by accident. That was one of the things that I thought about, because we do quote Charles Portis's True Grit in in our film. Uh, you know, Portis had been a newspaper reporter. I mean, you know, he had, was a journalism graduate from the U of A. So uh, he includes in True Grit real places and real characters. Judge Parker shows up. George Maladin shows up, the hangman. And so th there are some similarities in that it's a story told by a, a woman. Uh, and our story is a colorful story from the same era as told by a woman. And I thought that was kind of a cool way to do it. Never done anything where we reenacted an interview before. Don't know that I will ever do it again. But it, I, what I've taught for years is that the story should dictate the style. Mm -hmm. And when I started reading that story, when I got that microfilm and read it, and I thought, this is what I'm going to do. And I, I'm just going to do everything I can to make people not think about how we did it, but just get caught up in the story. 
and and I think mostly that that's that that's the way it has gone. Uh, in the documentary film world, Becca, there's a lot more crossover between narrative and documentary film these days. Uh, and and I didn't really think about that when we were doing the piece. I just thought this is the way I want to do it. Um, but that seems to have become sort of a thing now. There's a little bit of a crossover. In all the years I've I've made documentaries and taught it, uh, you know, the funny thing about the documentary film genre, uh, that that whole world, is that there's really no rule book. I mean, you know, the, the, what governs me is that I always try to tell a story from a reporter's point of view mm-hmm. because that's that's sort of who I am. Uh, but I'm going to use filmmaking techniques to try to bring the story to life, which is what we what we did with this piece. So we talked when we talked about the release of the film that this really was a Wild West story that was as good as any other Deadwood, Tombstone, Dodge City kind of story. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's getting its due now with the film having been out about a year? You know, I think from those who have um, have seen it, I, I will quote the woman who runs the News Fest Film Festival. Uh, she sent me a note and said the judges loved it, and um, and they screened it, and then they screened it. It was screened out in Las Vegas, and she said the audience loved it. And uh, then I got there a couple of days later for the um, to to watch some screenings and to go to the awards. So that's really what you want. You know, it's an 80 minute film, so you got to invest some time in it. Uh, and uh, it's not a short, although we did a, we we pulled a short from it which is also on its own film festival run, the, the Bass Reeves story. Mm. Uh, but, you know, I, I, it's, it's, it's done what I have wanted it to do, Becca, up to this point. Now, um, we've used the film festivals to draw attention to the film. It's won some nice awards, some best of awards. Uh, but what we really want to do is give exposure to this unique place and this unique time in in history i i call fort smith in the opening that's narrated by tj holmes uh, another journalist uh that fort smith is a, a uniquely western town in the middle of the country uh when we think of the wild west you know not everything happened out there in um you know places like uh, deadwood and, and tombstone that jumping off place that was fort smith was on the edge of indian territory mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those border states of Missouri and Arkansas, I mean, everything west of Fort Smith was, you know, uh, uh, it was a different world. Uh, our story takes place 1875 to 96. Oklahoma doesn't even become a state until the 1900s. Mm-hmm. So it was a it was a different world altogether. So I think we're bringing attention to that history. We're bringing attention to the significance of Fort Smith and its place. In Western history, uh, if you think about two of the the most acclaimed uh, Western novels in you know American literature history, you certainly would have to include True Grit. But uh, you know, Lonesome Dove also includes a little Fort Smith story. Um, so it, it was a significant uh, place, and even though Fort Smith is pretty darn close to the geographical center of the country. It was. It is a Western town now, and it was a Western town then. Mm-hmm. I think we forget how recent 
that really was. I always think of a story. My mother was born in 1919, and when she was a teenager living in Oklahoma, she had a pen pal in England who was terrified for her safety because of the marauding Indians he thought lived in Oklahoma. (laughs) You know, I'll tell you something. I'm working on this U of A sesquicentennial film now. Our story begins in 1875. Uh, you know, when Parker moves to Fort Smith, uh, at least that's that's part of the story when he moves to Fort Smith. Uh, the University of Arkansas had been holding classes by that time for three years. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Uh, some of the earliest students that would have come from Oklahoma didn't come from Oklahoma. They came exactly. from Indian territory. Um, so imagine that. Imagine uh, th- those years before Oklahoma became a state. Students coming from that place just west of us were coming from Indian Territory. Hard to believe. It, it really is still so close. And, you know, it was, a, it was certainly a mix of various cultures. There were the five tribes. And then, you know, as we say in the in the film, uh, after the Civil War, the Indian Territory really became a dumping ground for all kinds of different tribes, tribes mm-hmm. from, you know, the West. Uh, and, and you had this mix of culture where uh, outlaws would commit crimes in places like Arkansas and Missouri. And then they would just go hide out, you know, trying to elude uh, the Indian court systems didn't have any authority over them. Uh, U.S. court systems didn't have any authority over them. Um, and that's when Parker came to town. And and um, as as you will see, if you watch the film. Uh, some will say, yeah, he arrested a lot of those bad guys, but actually there were more blacks and American Indians that were executed on those gallows than were whites. Yeah. Think about that. So, when when it comes, when push comes to shove and you come down to the bottom line, was Judge Parker a good guy or a bad guy? You know, I'll let folks judge that judge that, uh, <laughs> you, you know, from, from watching the film. I will tell you this, what drew me to Parker, and I've known about him since I visited the, you know, his courtroom in the 60s as a Cub Scout. And I've always been fascinated by those recreated gallows and that old hell on the border jail. He was a complex man full of all kinds of contradictions. He was a civic leader. Uh, and he was a little bit of a media darling. Uh, but I mean, one of the folks that we interview uh, in, in the piece calls him a megalomaniac. He, he really did believe that the only person who could carry out that mission on that border town uh, court was him. Uh, so he was a, he was interesting and colorful and complex. And uh, and I think that's what drew me to him. I'm not making any judgment on on whether he was a good guy or a bad guy. Maybe he was a lot, like a lot of the rest of us. Maybe he was a little bit of all of it. Well, if you want to see the film with Larry Foley present, Indians, Outlaws, Marshals, and the Hanging Judge screens at 4.30 on August 14th at Five Star Productions as part of the first Fort Smith International Film Festival. You can find out about tickets and more information at fortsmithfilm.com and check out our story also in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Becca. (laughs) 